Hare Krishna, dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in the live studios of Hive, Southeast uh, England in Kent, just near the English Channel. Um, hope you're all safe and well and happy. Uh, it seems like there's some increase in the COVID again with some variants. Please stay, if you're not already vaccinated, please get vaccinated and, uh, and stay safe. Long ways from over. Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram from Sri Krishna Lila Stava verses 412 through 416 by Srila Sanatan Goswami. It goes like this. Sarva Shastra Dipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalidvandotitaditya, Sri Krishna Paribartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's, Lord's devotees, <clears throat> O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Barshakshadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostame. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna himself. Madeka Bando Matsangin Madguro Mad Mahadana Mannistadaga Mad Bhagya Mad Ananda My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chutakada hanamun jagadachin mam premna rit kantayokspuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya All right, Krishna's pastimes are heating up, trying to deliver the world from the burden of these demons. Chapter 59, The Deliverance of the Demon, Bomasura. 
the story of Bomasura, how he kidnapped and made captive 16,000 princesses by collecting them from the palaces of various kings and how he was killed by Krishna, the Supreme Lord of wonderful character is all described by Shukadeva Goswami to King Parikshit in Srimad Bhagavatam. Generally, the demons are always against the demigods. This demon, Bhomasura, having become very powerful, took by force the umbrella from the throne of the demigod Varuna. He also took the earrings of Aditi, the mother of the demigods. He conquered the portion of the heavenly Mount Meru, known as Mani Parvata, and occupied it. The king of the heavenly planets, Indra, therefore came to Dwarka to complain about Bomasura before Lord Krishna. Hearing this complaint by Indra, the king of heaven, Lord Krishna, accompanied by his wife Satyabhama, immediately started to the abode of Bomasura. The two of them rode in the back of Garuda, who flew them to Pragyotishpur. Bomasura's capital city. To enter the city of Pragyotishpur was not a very easy task because it was well fortified. First of all, there were four strongholds guarding the four directions of the city, which was well protected on all sides by formidable military strength. The next boundary was a water canal all around the city. And in addition, the whole city was surrounded by electric wires. The next fortification was of anila, a gaseous substance. After this, there was a network of barbed wire constructed by a demon of the name Mura. The city appeared well protected, even in terms of today's scientific advancements. When Krishna arrived, he broke all the strongholds to pieces by the strokes of his club and scattered the military strength here and there by the constant onslaught of his arrows. With his celebrated Sudarshan Chakra, he counteracted the electrified boundary, annihilated the canals of water and the gaseous boundary and cut to pieces the electrified network fabricated by the demon, Mura. By the vibration of his conch shell, he broke the hearts of the, of the great fighters and also broke the fighting machines that, they were, that, that were there. Similarly, he broke the walls around the city with his invincible club. Thy vibration of Lord Krishna's conch shell sounded like a thunderbolt at the time of the dissolution of the whole cosmic manifestation. The demon Mura heard the vibration of the conch shell, awakened from his sleep and came out to see what had happened. He had five heads and had, lo had long been living within the water. 
The Mura demon was as brilliant as the sun at the time of the dissolution of the cosmos, and his temper was like blazing fire. The effulgence of his body was so dazzling that he was difficult to see with open eyes. When he came out, he first took out his trident and rushed the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The demon Mura in his onslaught was like a big snake attacking Garuda. His angry mood was very severe and he appeared ready to devour the three worlds. First of all, he attacked the carrier of Krishna, Garuda, by whirling and then throwing his trident. And through his five mouths, he vibrated sounds like the roaring of a lion. These roaring vibrations spread all over the atmosphere until they extended all over the world and into outer space, up and down and out to the ten directions, rumbling throughout the entire universe. Lord Krishna saw that the trident of the Mura demon was rushing towards his character, carrier, Garuda. Immediately, by a trick of his hand, he took two arrows and threw them toward the trident, cutting it to pieces. <laughs> Simultaneously, using many arrows, he pierced the mouths of the demon Mura. When the Mura demon saw himself outmaneuvered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he immediately began to strike the Lord in great anger with his club. But Lord Krishna, with his own club, broke the club of Mura to pieces before it could reach him. The demon, bereft of his weapon, decided to attack Krishna with his strong arms. But Krishna, with the aid of his Sudarshan Chakra, immediately separated the demon's five heads from his body. The demon then fell into the water, just as if the peak of a mountain falls into the ocean after being struck by the thunderbolt of Indra. This demon Mora had seven sons named Tamra, Antariksha, Shravana, Vibhavasu, Vasu, Nabasvan, and Aruna. All of them became puffed up and vengeful because of the death of their father. And to retaliate, they prepared in great anger to fight with Krishna. They equipped themselves with the necessary weapons and situated Pita, another demon, to act as commander in, commander in the battle. By the order of Omasura, all of them combinedly attacked Krishna. When they came before Lord Krishna, they began to shower him with many kinds of weapons like swords, clubs, lances, bow, arrows and tridents. But they did not know that the strength of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is unlimited and invincible. Krishna, with his arrows, cut all the weapons of the men of Bomasura into pieces like grains. Krishna then threw his weapons and Bomasura's commander-in-chief, Pita, along with his assistants, fell down, their military dress cut off 
and their heads, legs, arms, and thighs severed. All of them were sent to the superintendent of death, Yamaraj. Vomasura, who was also known as Narakasura, happened to be the son of the earth personified. When he saw that all his soldiers, commanders and fighters had been killed on the battlefield by the strokes of the weapons of the personality of Godhead, he became exceedingly angry at the Lord. He then came out of the city with a great number of elephants who had all been born and brought up on the seashore. All of them were highly intoxicated. When they came out, they saw that Lord Krishna and his wife were beautifully situated, high in outer space, just like a blackish cloud without, about the sun, glittering with the light of electricity. The demon Bhamasura immediately released a weapon called Chitragni, by which he could kill hundreds of warriors with one stroke, and all his assistants simultaneously threw their respective weapons at the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Lord Krishna counteracted all these weapons by re releasing his feathered arrows. The result of this fight was that all the soldiers and commanders of Bomasura fell to the ground, their arms, legs, and heads separated from their trunks, and all their horses and elephants also fell with them. In this way, all the weapons released by Vomasura were cut to pieces by the Lord's arrows. The Lord was fighting on the back of Garuda, who was helping him by striking the horses and elephants with his wings and scratching their heads with his nails and sharp beak. The elephants, feeling much pain from Garuda's attack on them, all dispersed from the battlefield. Vomasura alone remained on the battlefield and he engaged himself in fighting with Krishna. He saw that Krishna's carrier, Garuda, had caused great disturbance to his soldiers and elephants and in great anger he struck Garuda with all his strength which defied the strength of a thunderbolt. thunderbolt. Fortunately, Garuda was not an ordinary bird and he felt the strokes given by Bomasura just as a great elephant feels the impact of a garland of flowers. <laughs> Bomasura thus came to see that none of his tricks would act upon Krishna and he became aware that all his attempts to kill, to kill Krishna would be frustrated. Yet, he tried for the last time, taking a trident in his hand to strike him. Krishna was so dexterous that before Bomasura could throw his trident, his head was cut off by the sharp Sudarshan chakra. His head, illuminated by earrings and a helmet, fell down on the battlefield. On the occasion of Bomasura's being killed by Lord Krishna, all the demons' relatives screamed in disappointment and the saintly persons glorified the chivalrous activities of the Lord. Taking this opportunity, 
the denizens of the heavenly planets showered flowers on the Lord. At this time, the earth personified appeared before Lord Krishna and greeted him with a Vijayanti gar flower garland. She then returned the dazzling earrings of Aditi bedecked with jewels and gold. She also returned the umbrella of Varuna along with a valuable jewel which she presented to Krishna. After this, the earth personified offered her prayers to Krishna, the Supreme Personality and Master of the world, who was always worshipped by exalted demigods. She fell down in obeisances and in great devotional ecstasy began to speak. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Lord, who is always present with four symbols, namely his conch shell, disc, lotus, and club, and who is the Lord of all demigods. Please accept my respectful obeisances unto you, my dear Lord, who are the super soul, and in order to satisfy the aspirations of your devotees, you descend to the earth in your various transcendental incarnations, which are just appropriate to the devotee's worshipful desire. Kindly accept my respectful obeisances. My dear Lord, the lotus flower grows out of your navel, and you are always decorated with a garland of lotus flowers. Your eyes are always spread like the petals of the lotus flower, and therefore they are all pleasing to the eyes of others. <clears throat> your soft and delicate lotus feet are always worshipped by your unalloyed devotees, and those lotus feet pacify their lotus-like hearts. I therefore repeatedly offer my respectful obeisances unto you. You possess all beauty, strength, fame, property, knowledge, and renunciation. You are the shelter of all six opulences. Although you are all-pervading, you have appeared as the son of Vasudev. Please, therefore, accept my respectful obeisances. You are the original Supreme Personality of Godhead and the Supreme Cause of all causes. Only your Lordship is the reservoir of all knowledge. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto you. Personally, you are unborn, still. You are the father of the whole cosmic manifestation. You are the reservoir and shelter <clears throat> of all kinds of energies. The manifested appearance of this world is caused by you and you are both the cause and effect of this cosmic manifestation. Please, therefore, accept my respectful obeisances. My dear Lord, as for the three gods, Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, they are not independent of you. When there is a necessity of creating this cosmic manifestation, you create your passionate appearance of Brahma, and when you want to maintain this cosmic manifestation, you expand yourself as Lord Vishnu, the reservoir of all goodness. 
Similarly, you appear as Lord Shiva, master of the mode of ignorance, and thus dissolve the whole creation. You always maintain your transcendental position in spite of creating these three modes of material nature. You are never entangled in these modes of nature as the living, ordinary living entities are. Actually, my Lord, you are the material nature. You are the father of the universe. And you are eternal time, which has caused the combination of the elements of nature and the manifestation of the material creation. Still, you are always transcendental to all these material activities. My dear Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, I know that earth, water, fire, air, sky, the five sense objects, mind, the senses, and their de deities, egotism, and the total material energy, all things, animate and inanimate, in this phenomenal world, rests upon you. Since everything is produced of you, nothing can be separate from you. Yet you are the transcendentally situated, yet you are trans yet, since you are transcendentally situated, nothing material can be identified with your personality. Everything is therefore simultaneously one with you and different from you. And the philosophers who try to separate everything from you are certainly mistaken in their viewpoint. <clears throat> My dear Lord, may, may, may I inform you that this boy, whose name is Bhagadatta, is the son of my son, Bomasura. He has been very much affected by the ghastly situation created by the death of his father and has become very much confused and afraid. I have therefore brought him to surrender unto your lotus feet. I request your lordship to give shelter to this boy and bless him with your lotus feet. I bring him to you so that he may be relieved of the reactions of all the sinful activities of his father. After Lord Krishna had heard the prayers of Mother Earth, he immediately assured her of immunity from all fearful situations. He said to Bhagadatta, Don't be afraid. Then he entered the palace of Bomasura, which was equipped with all kinds of opulences. In the palace of Bomasura, Lord Krishna saw 16,100 young princesses who had been kidnapped and held captive there. When the princesses saw the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, enter the palace, they immediately became captivated by the beauty of the Lord and prayed for His causeless mercy. Within their minds, they decided to accept Lord Krishna as their husband without hesitation. Each one of them prayed to Providence that Krishna might become her husband. Sincerely and seriously, they offered their hearts to the lotus feet of Krishna.
with an, with an unalloyed devotional attitude. As the Supersoul in everyone's heart, Krishna could understand their uncontaminated desire and he agreed to accept them as his wives. He thus arranged for suitable garments and ornaments for them and each of them, seated on a palanquin, was dispatched to Dwarka city. <laughs> Krishna also collected unlimited wealth from the palace, a treasure of chariots, horses, jewels, and so on. He took from the palace 50 white elephants, each with four tusks, and all of them were dispatched to Dwarka. After this incident, Lord Krishna and Satyabhama entered Amaravati, the capital city of the heavenly planets, and they immediately entered the palace of King Indra and his wife Shachidevi, who welcomed them. Krishna then presented Indra with the ear earrings of Aditi. When Krishna and Satyabhama were returning from the capital city of Indra, Satyabhama remembered Krishna's promise to give her a parijata tree. Taking the opportunity of having come to the heavenly kingdom, she uprooted a parijata tree and placed it on the back of Garuda. Once Narada had taken the parijata flower and presented it to Krishna's senior wife, Sri Rukmini Devi. On account of this, Satyabhama had developed an inferiority complex. <laughs> she, she also wanted such a flower from Krishna. Krishna could understand the competitive womanly nature of his co-wives and he had smiled. He had immediately asked Satyabhama, why are you asking for only one flower? I would like to give you a whole tree of Parijata flowers. Actually, Krishna had purposely taken his wife Satyabhama with him so that she could collect the Parijata with her own hand. But the denizens of the heavenly planets, including Indra, were very irritated. Without their permission, Satyabhama had uprooted a Parijata tree, which is not to be found on the earth planet. Indra along with other demigods, offered opposition to Krishna and Satyabhama. Indra, along with other demigods, offered opposition to Krishna and Satyabhama for taking away the tree. But in order to please his favorite wife Satyabhama, Krishna became determined and adamant. So there was a fight between the demigods and Krishna. As usual, Krishna came out victorious and he triumphantly, triumphantly brought the Parijata tree chosen by his wife to this earth planet, to Dwarka. After this, the tree was installed in the palace garden of Satyabhama. On account of this extraordinary tree, the garden house of Satyabhama became extraordinarily beautiful. As the Parijata tree came down to the earthly planet, the fragrance of its flowers also came down and the celestial drones 
migrated to this earth in search of their fragrance and honey. King Indra's behavior toward Krishna was not very much appreciated by great sages like Shukadeva Goswami. Out of their causeless mercy, <clears throat> Krishna had gone to the heavenly kingdom, Amaravati, to present King Indra with his mother's earrings, which had been lost to Bhamasura, and Indra had been very glad to receive them. <clears throat> but when a Parijata tree from the heavenly kingdom was taken by Krishna, Indra had fought with him. This was self-interest on the part of Indra. He had offered his prayer, tipping down his head to the lotus feet of Krishna. But as soon as his purpose had been served, he became a different creature. <laughs> that is the way of the dealings of materialistic men. Materialistic men are always interested in their own profit. For this purpose, they can offer any kind of respect to anyone. But when their personal interest is over, they are no longer friends. This selfish nature is found not only among the richer class of men on this planet, but even in personalities like Indra and other demigods. Too much wealth makes a man selfish. A selfish man is not prepared to take to Krishna consciousness and is condemned by the great devotees, by great devotees like Lord like Shukadeva Goswami. In other words, possession of too many worldly riches is a disqualification for advancement in Krishna consciousness. After defeating Indra, Krishna arranged to marry the 16,100 girls brought from the custody of Vomasura. By expanding himself into 16,100 forms, he simultaneously married them all in different palaces at the same auspicious moment. He thus established the truth that Krishna and no one else is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There is nothing impossible for Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is all-powerful, omnipresent, and imperishable. And so there is nothing wonderful in this pastime. All the palaces of the more than 16,000 queens of Krishna were filled with suitable gardens, furniture, and other paraphernalia to which there is no parallel in this world. There is no exaggeration in this story from Srimad Bhagavatam. The queens of Krishna were all expansions of the goddess of fortune, Lakshmiji. Krishna lived with them in different palaces and he treated them exactly the same way an ordinary man treats his wife. We should always remember that the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna was playing exactly like a human being, although he showed his extraordinary opulences by simultaneously marrying more than 16,000 wives in more than 16,000 palaces. He behaved with them 
just like an ordinary man. And he strictly followed the relationship between husband and wife required in ordinary homes. Therefore, it is very difficult to understand the characteristics of the Supreme Brahman, the Personality of Godhead. Even demigods like Brahma are unable to probe into the transcendental pastimes of the Lord. The wives of Krishna were so fortunate that they got the Supreme Personality of Godhead as their husband, although their husband's personality was unknown even to Brahma and the other demigods. In their dealings as husband and wife, Krishna and his queens would smile, talk, joke, embrace, and so on. And their conjugal relationship ever increasingly developed. In this way, Krishna and the queens enjoyed transcendental happiness in their household life. Although each and every queen had thousands of maidservants engaged for her service, the queens were all personally attentive to serving Krishna. Each one of them used to receive Krishna personally when he entered the palace. They engaged in seating him on a nice couch, worshipping him with all kinds of paraphernalia, washing his lotus feet with Ganges water, offering him betel nuts and massaging his legs. In this way, they gave him nice they gave him relief from the fatigue he felt after being away from home. They fanned him nicely, offered him fragrant essential floral oil, decorated him with flower garlands, dressed his hair, asked him to lie down to take rest, bathed him personally, and fed him palatable dishes. Each queen did all these things herself and did not wait for the maidservants. In other words, Krishna and his different queens displayed on this earth an ideal household life. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 59th chapter of Krishna, the deliverance of the demon Bhomasura. All glories to the unlimited opulences of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and at the same time his human-like nature to treat all of those 16,108 wives just like ordinary husband treats an ordinary wife. Unbelievable. Gore Premanandi, Hari Hari Bo. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta Purpura, the 59th chapter. Unbelievable. Okay. 7.55, almost 8 o'clock. We'll stop our reading today, which was really wonderful. What variegatedness. What wonder. How Krishna, by his, just by himself, dealt with all of those demons and their fortifications. Amazing. Truly amazing. Okay, Hare Krishna. Maybe there's some reflections.
first is something from Brian Phillips. Hari Bo Bhakti Brian. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj and Hare Krishna to all devotees taking their daily nectar medicine. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai and glory to Prabhupada. From Bhakti Noel. Hare Krishna Bhakti Noel. She says, Hare Krishna dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Thank you for our daily nectar. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Yeah, all glories to Prabhupada. From Bhakta Rupa. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Bhakti Bhakta Rupa. Please accept my respectful obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Amazing to hear how Krishna easily broke into the futuristically fortified city of Pragjyotishpur. Sounds like a science fiction city with electric fences, a gas boundary, and fighting machines that sound a lot like robots. <laughs> Krishna is like the ultimate superhero riding Garuda equipped with Sudarshan Chakra club and arrows. <laughs> Hari Bol. Hari Bol. I think I've heard somewhere that electricity is a kind of demoniac technology, which makes sense as electrical tech loft certainly seems to oh as electrical technology certainly seems to make life more complicated and less sadvic. Well it certainly did to Bomasura and the Muradima, that's for sure. But electricity is always there in the atmosphere. It's not that Electricity is some discovery of a scientist or made by a scientist. Every time a lightning bolt goes off, that's electricity. It's there in the atmosphere. It's part of the fire element. From Sudevi. Sudevi Dasi Hare Krishna. She says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Jai Ho. Glories to another day of hearing about Krishna's inconceivable activities and potencies. Yes. Thank you. I was thinking as I was listening to the opulences of Krishna and his power, I was thinking what, what could possibly prevent us from just surrendering fully to Krishna? And then I thought, well, the material energy is very powerful. The academic scholars, they read these things and they dismiss them as mythology. Didn't really happen. <laughs> Imagine. Gives them a very false sense of power that they can dismiss something like that. Anyway, Hare Krishna, what else? Sadhuni Sachi Sundari. Says Hare Krishna Maharaj, happy Guru Purnima. Thank you for always caring and reading the nectar. Mm. Another thing that came into my mind while we were reading is that, you know, Srila Prabhupada was a transcendental genius, but he empowered his editors, and they edited these books in a very nice way. You know, and uh, Prabhupada gave them credit 
especially Jadwaita Maharaj, because he was so pleased with him. He stated many times how much trust he had in him. And yet so many devotees, even older devotees, are, are not, they don't trust him. And therefore they think it was wrong for the books to continue to be edited, to make them as polished as they are now. It's a mistake. Hare Krishna. I offer my respectful opinion to all the Vaishnavas who are hearing every day these wonderful books read by yours truly from the most recent polished edits and I haven't heard one complaint. So I think that if a person re tries to read these books and look for faults in them, they can't hear. They can't hear, the, they can't feel the effect, the change of heart that comes from hearing Krishna's pastimes with full faith. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Something from Vrajaloka. Vrajaloka, Haribo. She says, Hare Krishna, dear Guru Maharaj. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to you. Thank you for today's reading. It was very nice to hear the prayers offered by Bhumi Devi. Mm. I liked the statement, Your pure devotees constantly worship your soft lotus feet, which fill their lotus hearts with peace. <laughs> Today is Srila Sanatana Goswami's disappearance day. Can you please share some thought with us about how to meditate on on him this day? Thank you, your servant. Well, Sanatana Goswami was the uh, senior disciple, especially in terms of his uh, elevated position in human society before he surrendered himself to Lord Chaitanya. Uh, he was more or less... Uh, in a position equal to a prime minister of a, of a huge uh, population. Uh, he was Saraswat Brahman, uh, completely qualified in every way, great scholar in Sanskrit, Urdu, and other languages. He and his brother Rupa, you know, in their headquarters where they uh, lived, were great devotees, even when they were, you know, serving the Muslim uh, emperor. And at the same time, they had deep humility when they approached Lord Chaitanya together. They, they felt deep humility. They had been ostracized by the Brahmin community because of their association with the Muslim rulers. And, but, but obviously they were um, most intimate servants. And when, you, when, they, when they met him the first time, um, Lord Chaitanya, uh, maybe it was the second time, but anyway, one of those times, Lord Chaitanya said that you are my old servants. You have been my servants. 
for a long time, actually. He met eternally, of course. But um, they, would, they visited then uh, Lord Chaitanya uh, in Puri and Lord Chaitanya, and they visited him in uh, Varanasi and Prayag. And Lord Chaitanya spent the most time instructing Lord Chaitanya uh, our Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, Sanatana Goswami, as any other, uh, anyone else. And he praised Sanatana Goswami to uh, his intimate associates in Jagannath Puri as, as being so qualified that uh, he gave him his full mercy and then gave him the service of going to Vrindavan and writing uh, transcendental literatures to ver verify the teachings of the Lord Chaitanya from revealed scriptures and also to excavate the lo lost places of pilgrimage. When they got there to Vrindavan, it was, there was just it was just like a forest. There were fields. There was hardly, there were no it, the, all the pastimes, places of Krishna had all been covered over by time. And so expertly, by researching in books and going and seeing the places themselves and feeling the transcendental ecstasy, they they confirmed these places, just like Jagannath Das Babaji confirmed the birthplace of Lord Chaitanya when Bhaktivinoda Thakur thought he had found it. He had it confirmed by Jagannath Das Babaji, who jumped out of his. He was being carried in a basket. He was so old and, and invalid. He was carried in a basket. He jumped out of the basket when he saw the place of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes and started dancing in ecstasy. So these are these are not ordinary people. These are these are not ordinary devotees. These are great uh, liberated souls, both Rupa and Sanatana and Munjaris intimate associates of Lord Chaitanya, of, of Radharani. And so when Lord Chaitanya met them, they, they, their natural love for each other woke. And all the residents of Vrindavan, Lord Chaitanya, Lord, Lord Sanatana Goswami would travel, you know, in different places and stay in different places. He had bhajan gutiras in different places in Vrindavan. And all the people would come there and he would speak to them and ask them about their cows and about their their crops and about their families and about their and solve you know arguments and everyone treated him like their father very intimate uh, relationship so on the day of Guru Purnima when all the residents of uh, Govardhan and Raj go to Govardhan Hill and circumambulate. Uh, they found out that Sanatana Goswami had left his body in that day, and they all shaved their heads. And they all worshipped Sanatana Goswami, everyone. And therefore, after that day, the Guru Purnima became the most, uh, the most crowded of all the days in Govardhan.
Then, of course, he, he wrote the Briya Bhagavatamrita and so many other books, and along with Rupa Goswami, he wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and so many other books to make the science of devotional service accessible to the people of the world. Such intimate servants of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna. Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, ki jai. Samabhita Bhakta Brinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same topics. The ever-expanding, juicy, nectarian pastimes of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hari Krishna, see you tomorrow. Hari Bo.